Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show on, on Mondays through Fridays between 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock. And this is a TriCast, broadcasting on AM 970 The Answer and WABCRadio.com, 770 on your dollar, and WLIR in uh, Long Island. And in the studio with us, we have uh, a Common Sense Democrat. Uh, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, Common Sense Republican, Congressman Peter King, and a special guest. To watch over Peter King, we have his wife, uh, Rosemary King. How are you, Rosemary? Very well, Jill. <laughs> well, you know, we need some common sense in this room, and I hope you're... Uh, able to offer some common sense to us. I've been trying for over 55 years, so I don't know if I've gotten any place yet. Well, it's good to see you, and welcome, you so welcome, much. welcome. And my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. How are you, Lydia? I'm doing well, sir. We have a fantastic show for everyone tonight. We'll be speaking with Charlie Gasparino about that Fed rate hike and what this means for the economy. Are we in a recession or not? Kathy Wild. She's going to talk to us about possible congestion pricing coming to New York City. Oh, boy. Senator Alphonse D'Amato, he's, uh, he's got a lot to say, of course. And Dr. Mark Siegel. But first on the line, we have one of New York City's greatest uh, police commissioners that ever served. He served two terms as a New York City police commissioner, and he previously served as a commissioner of the Boston Police Department as well as a chief of Los Angeles Police Department. So... Let's just say he knows a little bit about law enforcement. Welcome back to Cats at Night Commissioner Bill Brighton. Good evening, everybody. Great to be with you once again. Well, you kept the city safe, and the city was a great place to be. And and uh, right now, uh, everybody's worried. I mean, uh, Eric Adams is jumping up and down and said, and, and said to the governor and said to uh, uh, the state assembly and, uh, and the state senate, and, you know, why don't you guys go in session and do something? And— and the, the governor hasn't done anything. And our uh, Hasty refused to say, what, what, what did Hasty say? No need. No need. No need for a special session. No need to adjust the bail reform. And then Commissioner Bratton, I know you saw that video too. There's two videos that have now gone viral. One of them of a teenager who was let out less than 24 hours later battering a transit officer. And just a few days earlier, he had been arrested for a robbery, also had a a loaded weapon with him less than a year ago. So two felony charges also let go. Then we have another video up in the Bronx where a guy, two cops are trying to arrest a guy and you had bystanders jump in and they actually bit one of the officers on the hand to stop them. And then as he got away, they cheered. I mean, the lawlessness going on in New York City, it, it's, it's unbelievable that this is actually happening. And it's going to continue to happen. It's going to continue to increase that effectively in New York City and increasingly around the country. The deck is stacked against uh, cops, and uh, that means against the law-abiding public. Uh, the two videos you referenced are uh, being viewed by millions of people around the world, and it's a reflection of the fact that uh, we are losing control over the disorder in the city. Uh, the mayor is trying, talks a lot, but uh, doesn't seem to uh, be having any effect on the people who really are going to uh, – have to make the changes, and that's uh, Albany legislators, uh, governor, and the city council. They have created this mess. Uh, they seem to have turned a blind eye toward, toward it. The irony of it is the people most affected by it is their constituency. So many of these laws were changed to try and 
protect the minority population in the city and the state, black and brown. But if you look at the, uh, the principal victims of the crime in this city, in this state, in who's committing it, it's black and brown. So in terms of, uh, I just scratch my head at what are they thinking? What the hell were they thinking? And uh, it's going to take more than just words from the mayor. Uh, he's going to have to start uh, acting more forcefully. And uh, difficult situation politically for him. But uh, he and his commissioner are going to have to get out there and do more than talk about this issue because it is getting out of control. Uh, There's Bill, evidence in those videos. Bill, this is Pete King. I look forward to seeing you later on in Raphael's book signing. I just have a basic question, though. You know, the most elementary thing a cop has to do is make an arrest. And I've been told by any number of cops that if somebody is resisting being handcuffed, it's almost impossible to handcuff them without using some type of physical force. And that was to me what that viral video showed the other day. They're trying to handcuff this guy. He's resisting. People are jumping all around. And, I, again, I think if this was 5, 10, 15 years ago, the cops would take him down and handcuff him. But they really can't do that when there's, when there's a crowd around. Am I oversimplifying that or what? You're hitting the nail on the head watching those videos that, one, the department needs to do a lot more training of its personnel. Uh, as you saw, those officers in both instances were attempting to restrain these people by grabbing their arms. Uh, they were not using any of their weapons in terms of tasers or the asps that they carry, which is basically a metal rod. Uh, they are just not trained adequately to deal with the limitations that this state legislature and this city council in New York have placed upon them. In the city council of New York, it's the only city in America where under a city law, it forbids an officer from doing anything that mm-hmm. would compress the suspect's diaphragm, <clears throat> meaning they can't use any pressure on the chest or any pressure on the back. Uh, how the hell are you supposed to make an arrest if you only can grab that individual's arms? And that's what you saw happening in the Bronx yeah. arrest. In that video. They were holding on to his arms. And I'll tell you, anybody can resist getting their arms behind their back. He were two cops trying to do it. Particularly two cops were trying to do it with a mob of uh, 10 or 15 knuckleheads trying to interrupt the arrest. Several things that are impacting also on the ability of the cops, apart from not enough training, uh, is certainly not enough support from this uh, group of DAs in this city. DAs in this city will not charge people for resisting arrest. It's against the law to resist arrest. They will not charge for it. They will not effectively uh, charge adequately for assaults on police officers. Every one of those knuckleheads in the Bronx incident, those 10 people, uh, basically should be charged with aiding and abetting the escape of a prisoner. And they were assaulting those officers. They were photographing everything, hoping they could get more physical use of force from those cops. Uh, This situation is getting out of control. That stupid situation that happened on the J train, those cast of clowns basically in their their, their bathing suits and the the, the women in the jerking and the twerking. Uh, We are defining norms of behavior now because we are not punishing aberrant norms of behavior. Every one of those clowns should have been arrested uh, if uh, if capable of doing it. And there's enough videos going around that they can be identified. But guaranteed, the GAs won't do anything about that type of behavior. Now, I've got smoke coming out of my ears, Peter. And you referenced earlier that you and I are going to be at an event tonight over at the Yale Club. Manhattan Institute sponsored event. Rafael Manuel, one of the uh, most great guy, uh, interesting uh, researchers in America today, a, a a successor to the great George Kelling and O.W. Wilson, has written a memorable book that pushes back 
on all of this far-left woke crap that we're uh, involved in in America today. And it's, uh, he takes on every one of their arguments and basically presents a factual repudiation of it. I'm looking forward to it and going to promulgate that book as much as we can. John, I would suggest you get him on your show as fast as possible to talk about his book. Because John, he is terrific. Peter, why don't you suggest it to him and we'll bring him on tomorrow or uh, Friday. Uh, okay, you know, Bill and I are going to see him tonight. He's right. the best. He's so he's a yeah, spatic gentleman. He's great. Special. We've had him on. We've had him on. We've had him on. We've We've had had him on. Now the book on. is out. You can yeah, we'll have him on again. J- Judge brilliant. Weinberg, uh, now they're even starting to blame the judges. And as somebody at breakfast this morning uh, said to me, well, the judges didn't do anything. Well, the judges. Well, that's what Governor Hochul said. Let, let, well, let's be, let's be frank with that, that uh, while we're trying to give judges more power, like the district attorneys, there are unfortunately a number of judges who are so far to the left as one of them haven't fallen off the planet. And that's part <laughs> of the problem in New York when you've got progressive left woke uh, officials appointing progressive woke left judges. That nobody wants to punish anything for anything. Uh, they're trying to uh, make up for uh, years of what they felt was abuse. And that's the beauty of Raphael's book. He pushes back on this whole issue of mass incarceration and all the arguments that are being made uh, as to why we shouldn't arrest anybody, why we should have all these types of alternative treatment programs. He tears it all apart. And John, with your influence, the New York Post, Wall Street Journal, his book needs to be reviewed by them and get it out to a much wider audience because it's it's the it's the best book on this issue that I've seen in the last dozen Good. years. We'll, we'll have him on again. We'll so, have him on so again. Judge Weinberg, what do you have to say? The judge regarding that teenager uh-huh. that beat up the cop. Her name is Judge Althea Drysdale. Judge Althea she Drysdale. Used to, Althea used to appear before me. She's a former. She's a very nice lady. Former legal aid lawyer. Uh, so why very, let this clown on a, out? On a very far left. He beat up a cop. A, because she's a legal because, aid lawyer. Because she was a very far left legal aid lawyer, nice lady. She doesn't know what her job is, most respectfully. Let me point out a, a couple of things. Number one, the commission is absolutely correct. The people who make the appointments for the judges, if you have left-wing so-called social justice appointed mayors, you're going to have those kinds of people appointed. If you have the political machines, they elect people to uh, the Supreme Court and they pick out the politically correct woke candidates for the judgeships, you're going to have bad judges. I am telling you, my friends, Commissioner, the ones who I serve with are still on the bench. Their eyes bleed and their head explodes because of situations like that. But let me suggest at least a, a couple of changes they can make in the bail, the bail law. Number one, Give the judges power with somebody who's dangerous to hold them in. Make that a ter- determination. Only, only state in the entire country where you can't do that. Number two, you have resisting arrest. You make it bail eligible. You, you hold them in if they resist arrest. Next, the crowds that push somebody, obstruction of uh, governmental administration, you make that bail eligible. Let these people who are interfering with the law enforcement doing their jobs, trying to make the arrest, get them. Hold them in on, on bail. That's what you have to do. Also, Judge, get rid of that, raise the age. At, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Family court is a joke. Uh, Family court is a joke for dealing with tough people. No, the thug that was involved in this, the uh, uh, district attorney keeps referring to him as a child. Not a child. He's a 16-year-old thug, a knucklehead, and he's on the escalator uh, going up, committing more and more serious crime. At some point in time, that kid's going to be killed by another cat, the thug, or he's going to kill somebody, uh, and then we're all going to look back and say, what went wrong? What went wrong was, one, raise the age that they don't treat him as an adult. Because that 16-year-old thug 
is no child. I'm sorry. He's he's uh, he's accelerated uh, his uh, uh, progression through childhood very very quickly. And that cop the other night, thank God there were other cops there because otherwise that uh, young thug might have ended up taking the life of that police officer. And and he could have killed that police officer. And even for the benefit of the 16-year-old, even if you do want to call him a child, jail might be the best thing for him. Without him understanding that there are repercussions to his actions, that if he jumps somebody in Midtown and robs them of his cell phone, they'll go to jail. Or if you go to uh, with somewhere with a loaded gun, you should go to jail. If you beat up a cop, you should go to jail. And so it is send, it's, not, it's sending that kid a wrong message, and it's sending all New Yorkers a wrong message, that you can do whatever you want, and there are no repercussions to your actions let me give you two sets of figures that uh, assaults on police officers year to date this year there have been 946 of them last year at this time there had been 708 so we pay a lot of attention to the growth in crime subway crime is up over 50 percent citywide crime is up over 40 percent and even the celebration of murders and uh, shootings being down last month my prediction is they're going to go up during the course of the summer Bill, that 900 number, what was that when you were commissioner? It's all the time, cops. Numbers, those numbers were much less, uh, yeah. Peter, that uh, way back in the day. But yeah. the, the, the judge makes They're a up point. 55%. We don't punish anybody for disrespect for the law. And who is the law on the street wearing that blue uniform, putting their lives on the line? It's the cops. And right now, they're not getting backing from political leadership in the state, in the city, other than the mayor. And the mayor basically is trying but it's going to take more than words. It's going to take a lot of uh, uh, political gamesmanship mm-hmm. to uh, basically get these uh, knuckleheads up in Albany to recognize they are destroying the city, they are destroying the state, and eventually they're going to destroy the economy. And then who suffers? Basically the people who put them in office. Who do we ultimately blame for this? People who elect these characters. Right. We need to put more attention on the voters who basically, unfortunately, uh, what are they voting for? They're basically voting to be raped, robbed, and murdered. Commissioner Bratton, thank you for everything you've done and continue to speak out for our, our city, our state, our country. Thank you so much, and we'll catch up again real soon. That was great, Bill. All the best. Peter, see you later. Right. All the best. And now we have on the line with us a Charlie Gasparino. He frequently serves as a guest panelist on the Fox Business Network. He's also a writer for the New York Post, and he comes here in Cats at Night. Welcome back. How are you, Charlie? Hey, guys. Well, you were right. 75 basis points that went up. <laughs> You know, I, I don't think this is something to cheer about. I mean, I think the market is. I mean, remember, stock traders in the short term are very stupid. Um, this is how you know. I yes. mean, I, I do a little history lesson here. Right before the bottom fell out of the market, the slow drip to 2008, in late 2007, the market hit a then historic high of about 14,000. Uh, everybody thought, oh, you know, the Fed's going to cut rates, everything's going to be wonderful, and, you know, you know, bank balance sheets will get better immediately. And obviously, nothing that did not happen. Just the opposite happened. So remember, in the short term, and the, and the market likes this. It's up 500 points, whatever it was for yeah, something. It's dumb. Let me it, tell you what's going on, uh, Charlie Gasparino. Uh, you know, I I, I uh, closed a loan last week, and uh, you know, a substantial loan in New York City. But the real estate departments of the major banks have been told by the Fed to pair back. Interesting. And, and and they basically the, the major banks are going to be closing down for for loans for the real estate industry till September 30th because the only way they can pay back uh, and get to the point the Fed wants them at 
in, in coverage ratios is by closing down. So somebody wants a loan to build a building, forget about it. So we're going to go into a recession, and that's def- kind of why he's saying they're forcing it. They're he's forcing said, now, it. Now here's where it gets complicated and weird, John. Suppose we don't we get a recession, and inflation doesn't go down as it normally does. That somehow because of the wicked monetary and fiscal experiment that they did over the last two years. It, there's something sticky about inflation that it just the prices are baked in that we're stuck maybe not at seven or eight or nine but we're stuck at five which is two percent above their target. What is he going to do? He's going to keep raising rates seventy five basis points for the next three years, and I think that's the problem. I mean, you know, what people I know worry about that are smart is that yeah we're going to get a recession. That, that Washington is so Washington is so stupid. Washington is so stupid, they're going to force the country in a recession that we don't have well, to Well, now, here's the other argument here. I'm only saying this to do it fast because we don't have fiscal policy that's helping out. They, the Journal wrote about this, so I don't, you know, and I, Paul Gigo is a good friend of mine. He's um, the editorial page editor. He talked about a regulatory moratorium, and it makes so much sense. You don't have to cut taxes. You stop the war in oil. They mentioned that have a regulatory moratorium. They mentioned that. You do things that, that could help the supply side of the economy with businesses feeling a little more safe about doing stuff. And, and you know, stop this, like, stop this, like, wicked sort of cram down of the business community when you need them to be a player in this. But the Biden administration won't do this. So here's what I think. I think we're going to have, I, well, let's just see where inflation goes. If inflation is tamed, like a lot of investors think, that's why it's the market's up today. Okay, disregard everything I say. But suppose it's not. Suppose we were stuck with five percent at the end of this year. Is he going to raise rates three more times next year it's, at seventy-five basis points? I mean, it's crazy. John, and what what developer is going to want to invest and develop let's land like this? Let's talk about the oil business. Okay. Well, you know, let's say we, we, we're able to refine 18, 19 million barrels a day in the United States right now. And and uh, the, the Biden administration says, oh, well, let's do 10 percent more. To do 10 percent more, you have to be you have to spend maybe 10, 20 billion dollars. Now, based on the war on the oil industry, why would the oil companies spend 10, 10 billion or $20 billion. Yeah, they're never doing that. They're not right? going to do it. Yep. And this is the problem. If you declare the oil industry oh, the enemy of the people, then why should they spend money? I'll spend money in, in Canada. I'll spend money in, in someplace else, but I'm not going to spend it here. That's a good point. I mean, you know, we can use you over there. And the refiners, the number of refineries are down drastically before this war. All-time low down. Uh, it's a, uh, I had the chart that I saw on Fox. It was in 20, uh, 2000. It was 154. Now we're down to 121. Amazing. Amazing. It's just, it's, it's a cluster. You know what? You know, someone was asking me, like, um, you know, because I, I cover this. I cover, like, the, 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 some sort of... I come from some of the nitty-gritty of finance, so you know your viewers might not necessarily care, but there's a bigger point here. And I've been covering this, the odyssey of a, a, a woman named Gigi Sohn, who is very far left, 
and Biden tries to, trying to point around the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, and Republicans are balking, even Democrats, because you know she's had such left wing views. The Fraternal Order of Police came out against her, right? And for an FCC nominee to be attacked by the Fraternal Order of Police is a big thing, right? So the vulnerable Democrats in the Senate don't want to vote for her because they're up for re-election this year. In any event. My point is, Gigi Sohn is is a known leftist. I mean, she's very smart. She's a she's an activist, but because she, you know, had a public profile on Twitter, you actually know who she is, and you don't. But you don't know so many of the people that are in top regulatory positions in the Biden administration who are really no different than than her. They just didn't tweet. You know what I'm saying? So there's no public record where there, where Republicans are saying, "Oh, I can't, I can't, you know, bring her on." She said this, this, and this. So this is what what you're dealing with in Washington right now. The people who run government, the regulatory state, which is massive, as you know, in federal government, are are, are all leftists, from the U.S. Justice Department's uh, antitrust division down to the FCC, any, any, every economic and environment, particularly economic and environmental. SEC, Federal Trade Commission, too. Yeah, and, and the Securities and Exchange Commission, Gary Gensler. They're doing all this crazy stuff that, that puts them at war with business. Well, the, the, the FDIC or whoever the, the well, regulatory is on the banks. for that one. I remember that. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the banks, you know, the, that organization is putting the thumbs on the banks. I had another uh, phone call from a Canadian friend of mine uh, up in Toronto, one of the largest banks in Canada. He says they're shutting us down. We're not lending. Well, we're going to a recession. And I think that's what Powell's obviously worried about, why he didn't do. Remember, he actually said today, we're going to have to scale back on the rate increases at some point. He actually threw that. That's why the market spiked a little bit. But But, but it's affecting. But suppose suppose they don't really get rid of inflation. Charlie, it's hurting the poor people and it's hurting the middle class. You saw what Walmart said today. Walmart has cut their, their profit outlook. And it, it forces and uh, customers, shoppers, to spend more on necessities versus anything else. Well, I know that, but what I'm saying is, suppose we can't, you can't get rid of inflation. That fit. suppose we have, he has to keep raising rates for the next year. I mean, that would bleed. That would be a horrible bleed, wouldn't it? it would. Like death for, by a thousand cuts. I mean, it's horrible. They, they are. Unless they open up North America for crude oil and bring well, the prices off the down, table, John, they're not doing it. Well, then, then, then it's their own fault. It's it their is. own fault. But we're all going to pay, obviously. <laughs> well, know? the poor and middle class are the ones paying. I they was watching CNN, and they have expert after expert. I know, unfortunately, I was watching them, <laughs> but they have expert after expert talking about how the war on energy, the oil pipelines being shut down, has nothing to do with the price of oil being they're up. Dumber, so it's just they're dumber than so dog crap. It's just a coincidence. Well, you know it, you they tried the to say is, COVID, yeah. then Putin. Now, what are they blaming it on? Now they want to take the credit for the price going down. I mean, they just constantly they're con- contradicting themselves. That's you know, what's so these frustrating. Are, these are, the problem is that the elite class in this country never run anything. They never run anything. They never work for anything. I mean, these journalism kids all come from rich families. You know, here's a thing that they never lived through, which I did. So I live in the 70s, grew up in the 70s. My my old man bought a house, moved from the Bronx to Yorktown Heights, New York, and kind of a kind of a crummy little area. But he bought a house, a thousand foot house, square foot house, with a little backyard, 
for for what did he spend? He spent like sixteen grand for it, right? He borrowed, he borrowed the down payment from my grandmother, and so he made he made it he made it through, right? But my dad throughout the seventies worked three jobs. He was an iron worker, he drove a cab sometimes, and he bartended. Yep. I could never understand why he 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 did that until I took up economics and learned about inflation. Inflation is a horrible tax on working class people. They have to work three jobs or you drop out. You know, back then you didn't have the, the massive welfare state as bad as we have it now. So I guess now he could have, you know, got paid to stay home. Right. But he probably wouldn't do that knowing him. But this is what I'm saying. I mean, it is a horrible, horrible tax on working class people that you to get ahead. And, you know, we weren't living large. Trust me on this. Okay, we didn't have that type of we didn't have that type of means. But to put sneakers on your kids feet, to give them some clothes, to have some food on the table, to do all that, you have to work two, two or three jobs when you have an inflationary My, my father worked seven days a week almost all his life because when he came to America, his brothers had to sign on the dotted line yeah. that if he if he couldn't go for welfare, they, they would, he would, they, his brothers would have to pay his rent if he couldn't pay it. Don't they sign a document when they but, jump over the border now that they have to have the money? Yeah, yeah. They get, they get, a, they get a voter they, certificate. When they fly them in here. It's so sick. The world that we, you know, I'll tell you, if I'm, I'm some, I'm, there are times when I wish my old man was alive to see me working at Fox and everything because he would have loved it. But then, I'm, you know, I see the world we have and I'm kind of glad listen, he's not around. We, Charlie Gasparino, we tell the truth on Fox, on well, uh, New York Post, at WABC. Thank you so much for coming on and we'll catch up again real soon. All right, John. Thank, thank you. you. See you guys. Now, before we go to, uh, uh, I understand we're going to have Lou Dobbs at, uh, in about a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand uh, we're giving away tickets mm-hmm. for the Ferry Hawks. Right. It's so how do we doing it? So it's basically Christmas in July, but 77WABC and the Staten Island Ferry Hawks are giving away uh, they're giving away tickets, a pair of tickets for the Ferry Hawks game on July 30th. So we will be there. We will be there playing Sid, myself, all of the WABC employees will Are be you there. you playing second base, third base? I'll, be, you I'll be shortstop. I used to play shortstop. I, really? I, I haven't played in a long time. I have no idea. So now you have to be the seventh caller right now at 1-800-848-WABC. That number is 1-800-848-WABC. And you'll have yourself a pair of tickets for this July 30th Ferry Hawks game. And uh, you'll it's it's a great time. You'll have fun with all of us. So play ball, and there'll also be I'll, a fireworks you know show. I'll be there. Take me out to the ball game. So, Take John, me out to the fun. will you be signing autographs? I get a lot of requests of people that want to meet you. Really? Yes. Yeah, we'll You're see. their hero. Let's uh, let's go to Lou Dobbs and. Uh... It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. And uh, Congressman, you made quite a joke there about the Ferry Hawks game when we said it's Christmas in July. Oh, the, you know, the judge is here. We should be talking about Hanukkah. I mean, you know, in all due respect to Judge <laughs> Weinberg. It's a, Listen, some, some, of my best, some of my best friends are Irish Catholic. Let the record be clear. <laughs> wow. It's minority. It's okay, Kwanzaa in July. It's Hanukkah in July. What else? It's Ramadan in July. We'll keep going. Whatever you celebrate. Okay. So you can call us 1 800 848 That's exactly okay. well, right. I, you know, we're, we're all supposed to be at the uh, 
at the game on uh, Saturday night. Right, July 30th. I'm not sure. You know, it's not it's not an old-timers game, so I'm not going to play in the uh, – it's supposed to be – You're the, the N- captain. The NYPD is playing the, the WABC team as the pregame. Oh, wow. Okay. At 5.30 to 6.30, I understand. So he's our captain. So okay. you're, you're short stop. And you're short stop, Lydia. I guess. I don't know. I, but, I mean, John said only old time. Are you an old time? I'm, I'm getting old. No, you put the young people on the, on the thing. Oh, like Lydia, you mean. Me, okay. you'll be, I'll be a coach or something. How about something. the judge? The judge? The judge will be out on the island. He'll, he'll, be, <laughs> he'll be in this pool. That's Staten Island. He'll, that's Staten Island. He'll be on a different, different island. Different island. <laughs> well, let's talk about this island, Manhattan. Let's go to Kathy Wild. She's on the line for us right now, and she is currently the president and CEO for the Partnership for New York City, a not-for-profit that works with the city's business leaders and government, labor, and civic sector to make a better New York. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Kathy Wild. Thank you. Happy to be back. Well, Kathy, are we going to open up New York? What the heck is going on? Well, I think uh, we've got a lot going on. You've seen the rise in tourism. And a couple of things we're working on, we don't think we should just leave it up to the government to fix all the problems. So the business community yesterday announced with the mayor that we're going to be bringing in a a new program to try and help get the homeless off the streets and sidewalks and into appropriate treatment and facilities. And also, in this case, out of, you know, ATM vestibules or retail stores, where wherever. There was a good program that started with Macy's and Starbucks and some other companies that uh, works with a nonprofit called Breaking Ground, and they have outreach workers that have three times as fast been able to get people into appropriate treatment or facilities and off the streets. So that's what we're working on. We think it supplements the mayor's effort, and it's uh, the business community has so far raised $8 million to support that effort, our partnership members, and we'd love to expand it. Kathy, uh, let me uh, raise the issue. I know you and uh, my good friend John Banks were just appointed this five-member Traffic Mobility Review Board to try to implement congestion pricing. So let me just tell you my take on congestion pricing. is just my opinion. I think it's a bad idea. I think it's at the wrong time. I think it's going to hurt the environment. It's going to hurt economic development. It's going to hurt retail businesses. It's discriminatory against commuters. It's going to cause traffic jams in the city. I don't know why they're doing it, except I do know why they're doing it, because the MTA is running out of money, and they're going to be using this money to supplement the MTA budget. What do you say? And why is the MTA running out of money, Judge? Because they misspend it, and they have padding on the— Wait, wait, wait. wait. Nobody's paying the fare. What do you want? Well, exactly. Two reasons. One, nobody's paying the fare. They misspend the money, and you have too much on pensions. All right. Kathy, Kathy, you got it. I pay the fare. They are losing at this point about half a billion dollars a year in fare evasion. And there's a task force that we're helping to staff at the partnership that the MTA has put together to try and fix that problem. And I think we're going to we're going to do it. We're re- they're really focused on it because it's ridiculous. So that's one thing. And you saw what happened with the, the, the fist fight that broke out with La Fairbeater. This is, you know, these are people that are, are not just jumping turnstiles. They're doing other stuff as well. So um, on, the, on congestion pricing, 
we did a study almost 20 years ago now that showed the billions of dollars that traffic congestion is costing the New York economy, and it's costing all of us. And the problem is that Manhattan is the center of a regional economy. We've got people coming in and out, many of them just not not necessarily for business, not necessarily for commuting. Uh, 99% of people use mass transit for commuting purposes. So we're talking about how do we reduce the cost of excess congestion? And congestion pricing is one way to do that. So don't close your minds to the value. In addition, as you all know, in the last few years, thanks to de Blasio policies, we have closed streets. We have put restaurants into streets. We have much less streets than we had a few years back. So as our economy recovers, which it's on its way to doing, you're not going to be able to move in a car or truck around Manhattan. So we've got to figure out how we're going to fix this. And that's the purpose of this mobility panel. And I think it's going to be an opportunity to find out how we can fix this and also to put some pressure on the MTA in terms of their cost structure, the point the judge makes, which is absolutely correct. But 60% of their costs are labor costs. And those are costs that have to be negotiated in their contracts with 30 some unions. So this is a complicated issue. Congestion pricing is one piece of fixing a problem of the high cost of New York City. And I think that it's going to be a tool, and this is a program that we can use to improve street conditions and make it possible to get around for those who really have business and need to get around the city. Well, I think my personal feeling, it's a tax on the poor and the middle class, uh, the person that lives in Queens, the person that lives in Bronx, the person that lives in Brooklyn, wants to come in and see their doctor uh, in Midtown. They can't see them. It's going to cost them a fortune. And they're too afraid now to take the subway. It costs you $50 to park. Poor people are not driving into Manhattan. Middle class does. Yeah, you got people from Sunnyside. Middle class cars are a way of life for the American people. Yeah, this is PK. You're people from neighborhoods like Astoria, Queens. Uh, it's not just, it's not just the, the five boroughs. Yeah. It's Long Island. Yeah. It's Rockland. It's Westchester. It's New Jersey. It's Guys, Connecticut. When you look at the statistics, I'm telling you, I chaired the mobility task force for the last governor. When you look at the statistics, you see it is a teeny fraction of people. What we need to be doing is investing in much better and safer public transportation. And that's the purpose of congestion pricing. And I know because I I, use, I fought for this for years to look at this issue, and the legislators who all drove around in their cars would all say, you're going to cost me $8 a day. And I said, but it's already costing all of us much more than that. If my kids wanted to take the subway, I would not allow them to take the subway right now. Your kids are grown-ups. Why not? Because I don't I think mean, it's but safe enough. they're making enough. their own decisions. I think I it's got to be safe enough. I bet they're taking. No, I look. The mayor is absolutely focused on safety in the subways. We've had meetings with the police commissioner, and she—they are doing a good job on trying to restore safety to the city. 
They Kathy, need a lot more support than we're giving them. Yeah, Kathy, we, we've seen the videos though going viral of what's happened in the subways just the last couple of days. I mean, if cops can't be safe, how is the average person going to Attack on transit officers is up 55%. If a cop isn't safe in pairs, well, what's to say I am? Commissioner you know? Bratton says there's 900 of them this year already. 900 200 officers. more than last year. Unless it was a bad year. Let's take, right. We're going to have to go to a break. Kathy Wild, thank you for everything you do for our city and and keep speaking. Okay, we don't, we agree a lot, but we don't, don't agree always. Change, change has to happen. We've got to figure out. You can't lose all those streets to bus lanes and bike lanes, et cetera, and not have something broken. We will not be able to move in the city if we don't fix the traffic. And I, just one thing, but shouldn't we start arresting people for fair evasion before we do something drastic By the way, like this a, and putting up tolls? Fair evasion is a class A and misdemeanor. And shouldn't we... So okay, that's what that's what they were doing when the, when they when the fight broke out. Thank you, Kathy. Well, that guy's in jail out. No, no he's already he's out. He's already out. We're gonna have to go to a break. We're going to a break, or we're taking the next. Uh... No, we got it. We got a break. We're coming back with Senator Alphonse D'Amato, and he is mad as hell. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, uh, the greatest senator New York has ever had. I know you try to dispute that. And no, Mama D'Amato is not, has not risen from the dead, but it's the truth because you fought hard for New Yorkers. Senator Alphonse D'Amato, how are you, sir? Uh, Al, if I can interrupt, this is Pete King. I want to warn you about something. Rosemary's here in the studio, so watch your language. Don't start yelling at me. Don't give me a hard time, okay? And, uh, and uh, Alphonse is going to have a big birthday soon. I'll, I'll be there. I, I wasn't even invited. I'll be there with you. Were you invited, Judge? We weren't even invited. I thought we were friends. If the center invites me, and Lydia will come. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say something. I never said a nasty word to or about Peter King because no. he was truly a great congressman and a great friend. And his daughter was a wonderful council person in town of Hempstead until she moved down south. And um, I don't blame her. So many people are moving <laughs> down south, you know. Hey, everything and, I uh, did in Congress, I learned when I was a councilman with you in the town of Hempstead. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Listen, Peter, you showed the way. And, and Peter King deserves a lot of credit in, in helping to bring peace uh, to Ireland, and uh, I made him, he asked me for one thing. If you're elected, Alphonse, will you go over to Northern Ireland to see the conditions that people are living in? And I kept that commitment. I went there with Peter and with our then district attorney, who since passed away, and what I saw gave me for the first time a, a sense of just how fortunate and how we took for granted the freedoms, the religious freedoms that this country has. When I saw how, how the Catholics there were persecuted, how their houses were boarded up, how I'm, and I'm not saying that everybody on the Catholic side was right and they, they, the other guys were all bad guys. No, but I'm telling you, um, we, we take for granted the religious freedoms and the freedoms that this country has. You have to go and witness uh, the kind of thing that takes place in these despotic countries. And uh, we made a big change. A big change took place then. Uh, but one of my memories for that night is when two guys came to get you, you sent me down to keep them away. 
and you were you were, you were in the room with the, the door locked. Yeah. But, no, uh, but Senator, I hate to stay in the room with me. <laughs> right, remember, I Senator? Remember did you hear our conversation with Kathy Wild on congestion pricing? Well, no, but I have to tell you, it's a disaster. And now, you I will... just got a, I got a text from David Schwartz. He says it's a disaster. I got a text from uh, from Rudy Washington, former uh, deputy mayor. He says it's a disaster. I mean, it's going to hurt New York City. I can't believe oh, when she said that, that. Oh, regular. Me, me, so, Demo, Senator Damato, she said that it won't affect uh, regular New Yorkers because regular New Yorkers can't afford fifty dollars garages. I beg to differ because you have a lot of people that go to the hospitals right here in Midtown Manhattan, and they're far from rich, but they'll pay whatever it takes in order to get the best treatment in the world. This to, and it's right be, here. If this study is done, it's going to be the same team that did the study on Rikers Island and you're putting the jails in, in your local neighborhood instead of leaving them on Rikers Island. Exactly. You're going to have a lot of people, a lot more people who are going to be working from home and, and a lot more who will be moving. And the very people you want to keep who will be leaving Long Island. And, and, and that's, that's a fact. And, uh, you know, it is, incre- it is really penny foolish. Uh, and they're going to lose a hell of a lot more money than they would gain with this congestion pricing. And, and I have to tell you, people are going to get out of their cars because, well, they may not get out, but they'll get out in a different state. But it's state. another tax on the poor and the middle class. It's another tax. Working. If, working could you imagine if you get a, a, a taxi cab to go from, from uh, above uh, the 60th street, 60th street to go into Midtown? They're going to add another ten dollars uh, a ride, and people community will be paying thousands of dollars more a year. Hey, Al, on another issue, what is the Justice Department doing and not going after Hunter Biden? What's taking so long? Well, let, let me tell you, they'll work out a sweetheart deal, okay, and uh, on his taxes, and they'll do a tax forgiveness kind of thing. That's what they're going to try to pull off, and it and it's incredible. Incredible. And I'll tell you something else. I look at the state and I had high hopes for Hopeful. Uh, she's a disaster. Yep. She, she's got this multi-billion dollar program, 11 billion, I think, and no monitoring of it. She can do whatever she wants with it. The controller doesn't have, have any control. And will I give that to her? No. Look, she's going to spend close to a billion dollars for their Buffalo giveaway because her husband is connected with them because the company Delaware North that he works for will be one of the biggest beneficiaries of that at that stadium. So that's number one. We've never spent that kind of money on a stadium before. Private sector owned by a billionaire, and we're putting up something like $800 million plus uh, plus others. I mean, this is incredible. And now across from the Penn Station, they're going to have another billionaire who's given her, I don't know how much money, 60 some odd thousand that he's directly given her, and the Lord knows how much he's directed from his friends and subsidiaries to her, and and they're not going to pay any taxes, no property taxes. This is incredible. And they're going to build, I don't know how many luxury apartments right across No real estate taxes? No, no, that's part of the deal. Part of the deal is that the the city is giving up those uh, those revenues on the real estate taxes. They're being That's the city right. of New York is being snooked. Isn't that right, Senator? 
But we no, have to pay it, congestion pricing, and they're yeah, not going to be yeah. paying real estate that's taxes. Exactly, that's right. right. That's right. And that's the right. rich get richer, so she makes the billionaire from who owns the Buffalo Stadium even richer. She makes this uh, uh, developer who's worth tens of billions richer, and and it, it is incredible. And the city of New York doesn't get taxes. No, the city of New York is going to lose that revenue no stream. Bids, no competitive bids. You know, you want to do this, put it out for bid nationwide. You'll see what takes place. And, and we have some of the, the biggest real estate developers um, uh, in the world who would, who would bid on this thing, and not just for New York, but throughout the world. And what do they do? It should be an well, independent hope, bid. Hope. Hey, Al, Nobody Al, knows. Yeah. What, what are Lee Zeldin's chances? Uh, they've improved. They've improved the... Uh, the bail law, uh, which which Hochul could get jammed through, she jams through spending billions of dollars, but she doesn't want to get the left wing upset, so she doesn't do anything, and uh, and we continue to let these criminals run around, and this guy who who tried to uh, uh, hurt, at least hurt, and if he had hit him in the throat with that thing. Could have been fatal. Could have been um, fatal. It was, it was a sharp, uh, uh, two sharp knives. Should have been charges and attempted and, murder. And somebody, somebody on our radio show, somebody I won't mention names, says it was only a keychain. That's that? a lot yeah. of crap. I won't tell you on the air, but that's a yeah, lot of well, crap. Yeah. Listen. And well, I'll tell you uh, something. Else yeah, go ahead. If you don't think we're going to have a recession, then you're out of your mind. You don't know forcing a recession. You cannot raise the interest rates the way we're doing it. And it's going to kill the real estate industry, Al. A, a devastating impact in, in real estate, number and, one. And, and, and John, by the way, you, the FDIC or whatever the appropriate agency is, I just talked about with Charlie Gasparino, they are yep. forcing the banks to take the higher reserves and not – and to catch up by September 30th, the banks have closed down. They're not lending any money on real estate. Well, what's going to be? And, and, and how much, what is, how does this impact the real estate industry, the home builders? We're in deep crap. Buy a home? We're in it deep adds, crap. It adds at least three quarters of a percent more, and it'll be more because Ow, it's three we quarters take a break. the banks. We got to take a well, break. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on, and we'll catch up real soon. We'll be at your birthday party. Now, uh, on the invitation, it says a requirement. I have to buy a present for you from Amazon? <laughs> that was a requirement on the invitation. I hope it's I'm not I'm going to bring a bacon, egg, and cheese. All right. <laughs> Great to be with you guys. Take care. Take care now. Let's take that break, and we're coming back with Dr. Mark Siegel with a lot of revelations. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night, John Katsimatidis. And now we have one of our favorite doctors, Dr. Mark Siegel. Uh, Dr. Siegel, are you there? Yes, I'm here. So what's wrong with calling it monkeypox? You want to change the name. What the heck is going on? I want to know if I'm being invited to D'Amato's birthday party. Exactly. (laughs) You have to qualify and have a big enough credit line with Amazon to give a present. Now, exactly. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. But listen, serious thing is I don't think that that's the issue, is it? The issue isn't the name monkeypox since it actually originates from probably from a colony of monkeys in 
1958. And if it sounds bizarre and exotic, maybe people will pay more attention to it. And in the 1980s, when we had HIV, known as acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, i.e. AIDS, that didn't stop the country from not treating the gay community with respect. So it's not in a name. And I think that this this usual political correctness to a name is camouflaging the idea that we don't have enough vaccines. We don't have enough treatments. We don't have enough tests for the gay community who are actually spreading this. So why don't we treat them with respect by getting them the vaccine rather than starting with the and name make, stuff? You're 100% right and make sure that none of them... You know, let them get – if they're going to get a little bit of sick, make sure they don't die. Doctor, no, exactly. Doctor. And, and by the way, it's painful, this rash, and we have a treatment for it named T-pox that's not even approved. You've got to be in a clinical trial to even get the stuff. Doctor, I this mean, is there's PK. so much red tape. Doctor, we were on a, on a uh, call on Sunday without going into all, all the details. Well, at least one of the doctors thought the monkeypox could spread not just among gay men but you know, throughout the entire community. How concerned are you about that? I think it will, but but what I am not as concerned of is uh, Pete about an AIDS situation. I mean about a uh, COVID situation because it's not that easy to spread. It's got to spread by sexual contact or close contact or by saliva. It's not going to be as bad as COVID, but we are underplaying it. Uh, I I think we should uh, make sure there's no sex with monkeys. <laughs> What am I going to do for Dr. a date Saturday night? That's for Judge Weinberg, not for me. Well, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. God bless oh my America. God. Thank you. <laughs>